everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is Season 9, Episode 66. I'm your co-host, Kate. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you go back and check out Episode 65. It's the season premiere for Season 9. And we talk about Dwayne Wade and Marlon Wayne's reactions to homophobic comments. We also discuss Joe Biden working with segregationists. And Key goes in on the Keys T segment regarding Tory Lanez and his colorism backlash. And lastly, we talk about hit exercises on the Coach P dropping gems. So definitely, if you haven't, go back and check that out. <laughs> Make sure you head over there on iTunes, yes. rate and review our show, leave comments. You know, we like to get some constructive criticism about our episodes. Yes. And if you just want to say you enjoyed it, put that on there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yesterday, we had a very successful boot camp experience. Yes. Secure the Body Boot Camp was in full effect yesterday. Wonderful. Coach P, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so that was the birth <laughs> child of Key. <laughs> And it was it was amazing. Your birth child. Yeah, it, it came. I from, mean, you kind of helped in a birth. <laughs> I was baby. I was a secretary <laughs> putting on the event, but yeah, no, it was honestly a really great event. I was really happy with the turnout. We talk about health and nutrition on the show all the time, and it was very important to, for us to to make a difference in people's lives and their overall well being. That's all what we're about. So it was a great turnout. The trainers, Jeanette Calderon and Aaron Eason, were amazing. They brought the energy. Yes, I nearly died during the. Work you out, practically I did. I walked over there. I was like, "Bruh, Pierre was laid out on the floor, and he was like, i 'I'm dying.' I was like, "This is sad." Yeah, for every time we had a break, I was just like, "Okay, <laughs> I need to breathe. Just lay on my back and just try to catch my breath." But definitely a great, great way to start off a Saturday, and it was an amazing experience. And um, looking forward to maybe putting on some more. Yeah, you already know what time it is. No, um, no coming soon. No coming soon. <laughs> no so coming soon. Just be on the lookout. We'll just be on the lookout when we plan to do another one. But I will say it was a phenomenal experience for me it was so it was sad because i was like i go to the gym and kind of fell off but this week i went like two days before the boot camp i actually went on friday as well so i'm like i'm gonna prepare i'm gonna be right child mm. i couldn't even last doing a warm-up and i was like girl what you doing i was like you see what happened was the way the sweat is trickling down my back right. to my thighs <laughs> drip, drip. <laughs> Jay was a hell of a drip trip <laughs> Facts. Oh, hey. Okay. Hey, yo. <laughs> it's a family show. It was a different one. <laughs> but um, it was a lot. And so to give you a little education when it comes to working out, if you're going to do any kind of boot camps, do not work out the day before. Because I did ask both of the trainers while we were there. Um, They was like, definitely don't do that. So for all the people out there who's into working out, if you're going to do a boot camp, try to probably take a day off before, especially for your muscles. So for me, what was hard was that I was sore. So it was very difficult for me to go as hard as I normally would. But I know if I had probably had like a day or two prior to doing the boot camp where I allowed my body to rest, I think it would have been better for me in a sense of I would have went hard. But it was great. Phenomenal experience. Great people came out. And thank you for the juice shop for providing the juices for yes, the event. Yes. People really enjoyed it. Yeah. And thank you, Ripley Gears, for giving us the opportunity to have our boot camp at your space. So, like I said, look out for the next one and all our upcoming events coming up. You know, we out here. We lit. We ready to go this season. You heard? Back, back. <laughs> So instantly, all I'm thinking about the body the the body was secured yesterday. It was fully secured. It's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a hot girl summer. Hot girl summer, yes. <laughs> Me and my friends are ready. We just started. Um, so let's get into it now. Um, so as you guys know, the Democratic debates did start this week. It's 
was a little intense. They were streaming online, going viral. On the second night, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were a part of the lineup. It got a little heated. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, in episode 65, we spoke about Biden's controversial comments pertaining to segregationists and how that troubled Kamala Harris. She did address it at the debate, which I thought was really good that she actually came full force to that point. And she said to him, like, she was like, I'm going to keep it 100. I don't think you're a racist, but I do think the comments that you made pertaining to working with segregationists really did hurt her. You know, she said that the comments that he made working with them, and even though they try to, like, have a common ground, it affected her to some capacity. And throughout the debate, you realize why that was the case. Now, just to give you a little backstory, um, Kamala Harris took it a step further when she mentioned in the debate that Joe Biden opposed busing. Now, that was an interesting fact because that I don't recall that being brought up or his his approach or aspect to busing being affected in any way or that yeah. he was opposed to it. So just to give you a little backstory, now, busing happened in the past, particularly around 1954 up to 1970s, around that time frame, mm-hmm. because it was a form of desegregating these schools and trying to make these schools integrate. So with that being said, children from certain areas were being bused to other schools so that they could all integrate. Yeah. And in, to be more specific, in 1954, the Supreme Court found racially segregated schools to be unconstitutional due to the landmark case of Brown versus Board of Education ruling. Before Brown, schools for black children were typically inferior to white schools and receive far less funding from states. So that was kind of a result of that case. They was busing black students into other schools and trying to integrate them. And then by the 1970s, the method had evolved in some districts into two-way busing. So now it wasn't just black students being bused to white schools, but also white students being bused to minority schools and black and Latino students were transported to white majority schools. So it was kind of Everyone was being moved around, in a sense. And it was a part of us kind of coming together not to be segregated. I mean, at the end of the day, there's been a lot of controversies about that, about schools being integrated, because of the fact that there have been people who said that black people have been at a disadvantage because they was integrated. They were better off separate. It's up for debate, whether you agree with it or not. But Kamala, I just want to give a little backstory about busing, because on our show, we like to build awareness. And as to why she was so passionate about it. So to Kamala's point, the segregationists built their reputation of race in this country. So she was just like, how is it that you okay working with these people saying you reach a common ground? And one of the grounds that you claim you reach was trying to oppose busing, but that affected me. And to her point, she mentioned how there was a little girl in California who was a part of the second class to integrate public schools. And she was that girl. She was bused every day. And she spoke about that. And when she brought up that story, it was so powerful in a sense of her rhetoric and her tone. You could tell that she was borderline emotional. I felt like she was kind of holding back her tears type shit. And I was like, yo, I really feel her. Then she took it a step further because she was like, you know, I'm going to troll this shit out. (laughs) She put the pictures of when she was being bust back in the day on social media. So it was like, she was like, I'm not just going to drag you on this debate. I'm just going to put up pictures because you know, this is the time now. She brought the receipts out. She brought the receipts out with the little pigtail. I was like, girl, you was cute. I mean, you look good now. But I was like, well, damn. So... I'm glad that she kind of brought light to that topic and about his involvement in it. And that's really what I loved about that part of the debate. And also she followed it up saying that when we talk about the context of race, it cannot be like a intellectual debate among Democrats. And you notice that with politicians, when they talk about race, it's like a textbook kind of 
it's far-fetched. It's not, in, like, things are really not happening to real-life black and brown people in terms of them being affected by race. So I'm glad that she brought up that point. Like, we have to be a little bit more sympathetic, and we have to kind of get a better understanding of how we're going to have these conversations pertaining to race. It's easy for Joe Biden to go up there and say, listen, I'll work with these segregationists to reach a common ground. And one of them was supposed busing because he felt in his heart that it wasn't effective. He didn't keep in mind that you opposing something affected black and brown kids that would have actually helped them to be more advanced. And my thing was, what was his better alternative? Yeah, no, that's a really great point. And I just, I love that Kamala Harris and what you brought up now about just being sympathetic and just being understanding of looking at it from other people's perspective, especially when it comes to politics, you may have your agenda and things that you're trying to accomplish, but all these actions have a reaction and people are going to be affected in it in, in different ways. So yeah. that was a really good point. And so Biden's response was he claims it was a mischaracterization of himself and he did not oppose Such a busing in America. <laughs> no. We got yeah. receipts, bruh. But so he, he claims that again, mischaracterization and he wasn't opposed to busing, but he was actually opposed to it by the Department of Education. Well, Kamala's response to that was like the city council, it was a city council's local decision. Right. And that's the federal government should have stepped in and kind of basically came up with a better alternative to that. And he kind of was, he didn't really have a response to that, which I find it to be a little interesting. <laughs> I just hearing grasshoppers. He was quiet, <laughs> bro. When she said that, she was that little girl. He looked at her. He gave her that look like, oh, that was you. Like, <laughs> was like, oh, well, yeah, you, she was coming bust, out bro. swinging like that. Right? First debate. <laughs> and he gave her that look like, nobody on my camp told me this. Like, it wasn't that look Somebody, like <laughs> Somebody's getting fired. Like, we need Olivia Pope. <laughs> this, this now. Fact. I needed all the secrets about this chick. Um, so, yeah. So, to give you guys some more backstory, in 1975, Biden uh, supported an anti-busing measure, and he was going against civil rights proponent Jesse Helms. And in, also in 1976, Biden introduced a proposal to stop the Justice Department and a similar amendment in 1976 to halt the busing. And it's basically in real, like, direct contradiction to what he said, that he wasn't opposed to the busing. He tried to say that it, he didn't want it on uh, the, the the school handling it, the yeah. Department of Education, but his... From a local level. Right, yeah. so... But then he was kind of copping out because he was like, well, that was a local schools. And then that's when she was like... On federal level they should have been involved and took more like should have more of an involvement in that exactly and he actually sought direct uh support from eastland who we actually talked about in the yes. last episode one of the segregationists who was vehemently against uh integrating the people yeah. integrating the children in the schools so and cnn actually found a letter that was penned during that time where biden was actually saying thank you for the support that Eastland was providing to towards his his goal of stopping the busing and it was this like this common theme which they were able to unite around and it's just ironic because we talked about in the last episode how Biden was saying he was they got work things done they were on different sides he wasn't a racist but whoa um, whoa, whoa you said we or was that you Mr. <laughs> Kumbaya let's be specific you want me to pull up the recording wait what do you mean oh now it's what do you mean are oh, you pulling a Biden <laughs> no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> 
The last episode, uh-huh. I said he should be held accountable for working. He was like, well, you know, they have to reach a common ground. Now we know what the common ground is, Coach well, P. Right, but no, that's what I'm saying. In terms what of as, as more information starts to come out, it painted like a really nice light, but you see that they it, were it working. It sounds like he's saying Kiana was right. I just, did you, Did y'all hear that? I, I think I heard that. Nah, I, I'm a very big proponent of getting all the facts <laughs> and actually seeing what what the information is out there and making your decisions from there. And and I think now that this new light's coming out that he he actually had these bills that he was putting out there to try to halt that integration and the busing. It speaks a lot about what his agenda was at the time and the the work that they were getting done coming from across both sides. It's all right. <laughs> you try to clean up your little antics. It's cool, boo boo. But speaking of, since now we know this new development. Right. Um, breaking news. <laughs> breaking news. Do you perceive him differently? Because last time when we recorded, you was on some kumbaya shit. You still on that? Well, again, I'm going to be singing I'm, and chanting. Like, I'm always, listen, it's, oh, right. it, it's to today in New York City, we're celebrating pride. And I saw people wearing the shirts yes. Lead With happy Love. Happy Pride, New yes, York. Yes, Happy Pride to everyone. And like I saw these shirts saying Lead With Love. And I'm like, that's amazing when you come from that place. And listen, <laughs> Yo, you ain't he, now he wanna be coach. He said lead with love. So you gonna lead with love with this. Listen, I, at the end of the day, I do want to get more information and kind of just see like what 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 was his thought process and why things were being done the way they were. But again, now that I'm getting more of this information, I'm not very go hung and like Joe Biden, let's get it done. Uh, and, and also, in 1975, there was an interview by a Delaware newspaper that the Washington Post was able to resurface. And it's... They in did they research. <laughs> it was like, pull this shit back up. <laughs> so so they, they found a, a statement from Biden where he said... We've lost our bearings since the 1954 Brown versus school board desegregation case. To desegregate is different than to integrate. And in the interview, Biden called busing plans racist and said the integration plans are really just a quota system. So actually hearing those comments as well, it was just like, come on, bro. I And... And to to your point on my kumbaya flow, I I do think people change over time. But based on the findings and the facts that we're getting, I'm, again, not very big on supporting him going forward. Like Kamala, she she came back swinging. She She came back swinging. (laughs) She had a few little uh, hiccups a little bit earlier on. But it's like we got to make the best decision as we can. So it's really interesting learning all these new developments and kind of recalibrating at that like as more stuff comes out no definitely is um i'm still on the fence about biden because i'm just kind of like this is interesting i did not know the busing thing that he was opposed to it i guess for me um with him being anti-busing the problem is that eastland and these other segregationists wanted anti-busing because they did not want to integrate and bring all of everyone together and kumbaya Biden is saying he did not believe in integration because he felt like it was a form of, or what they were doing pertaining to busing was a form of racism. So my thing is, <laughs> I don't get how you can agree with a segregation and on a topic, but your intentions are completely different. Because his, allegedly, what Biden is saying now, years later, who who knows if it's true? I just need to see another clip resurface later. or a fucking article with him saying the word, and I'm like, oh, you lost my vote. No, you done lost now. But I'm confused because I'm like, Eastland and, and Biden's um common ground had different intentions. Eastland was purposely did not want to bring them together. They did not have no alternatives in bringing 
like different races or black whites together for that matter. But Biden's intent was that he's saying that it was racist. So if it was racist and you had an alternative, why did you have to work with Eastland to get that going? If he had an alternative as that he felt at that time was more effective, instead of working with a segregationist that had a completely different intent from you, why not work with another group of people who actually saw your vision, saw your light as to what you do? Because People have said that, you know, schools coming together and integration of black and white actually was a detriment to black people. There, there are talks that black people were actually more advanced back then when we were segregated. So if that was Biden's angle, allegedly, then why didn't you work with people that align with your angle than opposed to someone that had a completely different intention? That was my issue. I didn't see or get clarification from the debate pertaining to that. And I didn't like when he made the comment about like pertaining to him working in civil rights. He was just like, also he, he dropped the line of LGBT community. And I get that that's cool do for everybody. But we were talking at that specific moment about busing and how it affected black people and racism. Don't try to drop a line about the LGBT community to say, Oh yeah, I'm a part of civil rights and it encompass everything. I get what you're saying and I get your angle. But she's talking specifically about the busing and you being anti-busing. And that's what I did not like about his response. I was like, if you felt like you was in the right and you was justified, handle it and address it. Don't try to add other things in like, well, I did all of this too. And it's like, but we're talking about this. And it's a problem. And it even it's even a bigger issue because Kamala was, she actually experienced being bused. It's easier for people who have some freedom and don't have any type of issues of dealing with oppression to make those kind of determinations for a demographic of people. But what do you say to the people that are actually experiencing it? You know what I'm saying? So it's easy for somebody to come to us and say, this is how you talk to a police officer. This is how you act in this manner if a white person was to address us. But at the same time, when you're in those situations, you're like, oh shit, I don't, you don't know what's going to happen if the conversation is going to turn. And I just feel like in his instance, he did, he wasn't cognizant of the fact that he didn't check his privilege. Like, your privilege allowed you to play a part in being anti-busing, and now you're being held accountable, and now you want to backpedal. Own up to it, and like I said, he needs to be swift with his apology. Mm, I think I think you you said a lot there, and <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, your points were really valid, and it's crazy. It's just starting, and the, it's like, the, this is just the Democrats going against each other. It's not even it's them not. against Trump. So It's not. It's This political season's really looking to heat up very quickly. So definitely we're going to stay, stay following the new developments and providing you guys information about it and just our takes on it. So very interesting, and I'm curious to see how this is all going to shake out because we need a change for this next We need election. a change, a real change for that matter, and someone who's actually for us, not just saying it for propaganda purposes. They just want the black vote. Like, actually be for us, stand by your platform, follow through, yeah. and be consistent. Yeah. <clears throat> so switching gears onto our next topic, on a recent episode of Red Table Talk, Willow was discussing her thoughts on monogamy and polyamory. And yeah, getting all happy and shit. Hell <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look at this one. Cheesing, boy. Well, I just mm. I, I think that's a very interesting I'm topic sure to talk about. I'm sure you think it's a very interesting topic to talk about. Uh, so, and... <laughs> Look at him. Getting hot already. I, I you right it. over there? I'm great. You're I'm good, feeling you're, amazing. I'm sure you I did are. an amazing workout yesterday. Like <laughs> my energy levels are really... Yes. That, what it doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Valid. <laughs> so, Willow stated that monogamy inhibits your learning skills to evolve past feelings and insecurities and jealousy. So that's a really big take on it from such a young girl. and so, 18 to be exact. Facts. Mm-hmm. An adult. 
So, yeah. so she's, yeah, valid. <laughs> um, to give you guys a little background, if you're not aware, I just wanted to break down some of these differences. So polyamory is when it's having an honest, open, romantic relationship with multiple people at the same time. A trouble, which <laughs> I've only seen in, in a TV show, Parks and Recreation. <laughs> to be specific. Fact, shout out to Parks. Um, <laughs> when three people are in a relationship, whether it's two guys and a girl or two, guy, two girls and a guy or three guys, three girls, whatever the case may be. So that's a, a trouble. It just even sounds weird just saying that. I'm sure it feels good <laughs> when you're in it. I I wouldn't know. So, do you have some experience? I with that? have nothing I'm in none saying, of these categories. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Nagami only, bro. Go ahead. Life is about evolving, girl. You never I know. Evolving <laughs> um, so polygamy is the state of having multiple wives or multiple husbands, and just to make it clear, that's different from swinging when people are couples in a relationship and they may switch partners with each other, or one partner may be going out and experiencing other other sexual partners as well. So again, this is I think is a very important topic, especially right now, <laughs> the month that we're in being Pride Month. Like just love is just like really a spectrum. And I think that's kind of what Willow was really getting to. And but Pride ain't about spectrum because people who are part of the LGBTQ community ain't just necessarily a doing multiple or bisexual. Not all of them are classified next. Some of them are actually monogamous relationships. Oh, 100%. But Just want to clarify for those. Yeah. I want people to think that's what pride consists of. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But more so that, like, Whatever your your relationship, your loving relationship with other people, it, it can look like a magnitude of different ways. Basically. So, yeah. So I think that's very, uh, very wise and grown of her to speak on. Sure it is, because <laughs> you agree. Um, I would say she also mentions that the insecurities and fear that comes along with being in a monogamous relationship. And that's why these other forms of relationships are a little bit better in the sense, because it kind of... With monogamy relationship, it can inhibit you from learning to pass those skills in terms of being insecure and jealous, and it can be too restricting and fear-based. I don't necessarily agree with that commentary mm -hmm. about monogamy relationship, because I think it varies per person, and it varies per relationship, yeah. but I do understand her take on it. Um, and then she's done a lot of research around these topics, so in that episode of the Red Table Talks, she did talk about the research that she's done. It's not necessarily speaking from a place of full experience, but at least she's looked into the topic, not just speaking on word of mouth or what have you. She also mentioned that there are some people who go into polyamorous relationships because they don't want to have sex. So keeping that in mind too, you're in a relationship with multiple partners, but you know that you can't provide the sexual aspect of it, but you know someone else can. Hey, if that's that's how you rock, that's how you do. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Ain't no judgments over here. She acknowledged in the conversation that she is young. She doesn't have a lot of experience pertaining to this matter. We're not going to get into the intricacies of those types of relationships because to each their own. Do whatever yeah. you want. I personally, I am for monogamy because I feel like it's just good to just deal with one person. And the reason why, too, on that same clip, her grandmother did say that... Um, Dealing with one person and growing with one person is what she can handle. And I think that's true. In relationships, you're learning, you're evolving. I can't imagine me doing that with more than one person then and having to deal with more than one person. Like, I get annoyed easily and I'm moody. So it's like, I got to deal with two personalities. I'm not doing that. For you, I'm, I'm all of the above. Huh? <laughs> all of the above. My biggest thing is when it comes to relationships, everyone's different. Everyone has, like, different experiences yeah. and, and what they find peace or 
or being comfortable in. Mm -hmm. So I just think you just got to roll with the punches and people are constantly evolving and growing and changing. So that's why I genuinely find these kind of topics very interesting. Like I know we've mentioned in the past before, like I wouldn't be against having multiple like partners because you never know. You never know like what (laughs) with what. You never, you, you, you never know, like exactly, like what your partner really wants, and I think it's very important, like having those open com- conversation, yeah. clear communication, and then just kind of growing and developing from that perspective. So, and that's true too. I think what I've noticed about her having this conversation around this topic is people's commentaries on it. They're like, "Yo, she's eighteen. Like, I had, there was someone else that said like a comment of like, it's like me getting." advice about college from a high school person and basically discrediting what she's saying because of her age. And the reason why I find this to be so interesting Mm -hmm. is because I feel like in society now we're one minute we're saying, give the youth an opportunity to be vocal about God knows what, let them speak, let them, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. Now they saying they're not back talking. They just speaking their mind. You know what I'm saying? They growing. And then in the next stance, when they do, when they are vocal about things, we say, well, you're not old enough or you don't have enough experience to talk on this so you can't be vocal. To me, it's like, where's the balance for the youth? Like, she's 18, she did her research pertaining to this topic. Now, is it, will I completely discredit her because of her age? No. I did take into consideration the things that she said, the points that she made. One of the reasons why she is against monogamy, too, is because she said that she feel like it's more restrictive for women, which I think is very interesting, very fascinating that, right, that we not having the freedom. So I'm glad that she spoke to it from that standpoint. I don't necessarily agree, but it's not because she's 18. It's because I don't necessarily agree with the concepts behind these different forms of relationships because I know there's only one that I like. But I'm open to understand her stance on it. But to see people react and say that and it's just like so at what point are we going to allow the youth to speak their mind and be vocal about things whether it's this topic whether it's about the parkland shooting because even with that they was like oh yeah i can't have this conversation they was at a shootout like what you mean they can't talk about it they like are you serious so i the problem that i had with her comments was it wasn't her more so but it was like the the comments around it was like she's just not there yet. And it's like, if you have followed Willow, if anybody has followed this girl, she has been woke since day one. And she's before her time. Like, she has always been that type to kind of go a little bit more advanced about things. But I'm just trying to figure out what the balance is for the youth. Like, what is the message we're sending to the next generation? We said we can't speak on this, but then in one minute you can, the next minute you can't. Do you even think that's fair? Well, I think it's very important to... At least for me, and I think about this because when I when I when I eventually have a family, one of the things I want to work on is with my children, giving them respect, making them feel listened to and heard, and validating their thoughts and opinion. Because I think that's what's really going to build that self esteem for them. So at this point, she's 18 years old, and I think she's very she's allowed to comment on these things and I think it's important to hear other people's perspective especially this next generation the world is like evolving and changing so fast and I don't think it's I think back in the day people were very locked into 1974 certain... day <laughs> right exactly the good, old, the good old days the good old days yeah. but... fine people on both sides Facts. But I think people were very big on sit, fitting into specific paradigms and situations but like now in this day paradigm. and age you can you can live your life whatever is authentic to Valid. you. And that goes back to our show, Be Who You Are and Be Unapologetic and Different. So I love her comments with about this. And and it definitely, I can agree with a lot of the things that she was saying. So of shout out to Willow. <laughs> <laughs> 
So switching gears on this episode of Coach P dropping gems, I want to talk about relationships and dating to be more specific, especially with the conversation we just had with Willow and monogamy, polyamorous relationships. So I the reason I think this topic is really important because when it comes to well-being, your relationships with the people in your life are very important. And there was a study that actually spoke about the importance of relationships and connections in terms of your overall well-being and longevity of life. And one of the really cool findings was that when you had a real good relationship, connections with people in your life, and it didn't have to be a lot of people, it could be your wife, it could be your family, it could just be close friends. Um, those were really more important in terms of your longevity versus your dieting or your eating habits or whether you drink or smoke, which I thought that was very interesting. And one of the other things from the study, it talked about uh, people who were elderly in relationships where one person died and then shortly afterwards the the partner passed away. And I thought that really spoke to the importance of love and connection to human beings and how when you don't have that connection to even if it's just one person kind of grounding you, it 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 shows how someone could just wither away and kind of pass on. So I thought that was really very interesting and kind of wanted to segue into this topic for Coach P. So he put me onto the article from Exo Nicole where she spoke about pre-dating and I thought it was really a very interesting one. I could see us having a little debate about this. And I just want to give you guys uh, the disclaimer. This is coming from a male's perspective on dating and relationships. Not me. Okay. <laughs> um, so the concept of pre-dating is the idea of instead of doing a traditional date, which is dinner or dinner in a movie, you actually do um, something smaller and less expensive to pre-screen a date. And I think the the first thing when I hear about this topic and of pre-screening and pre-dating, I think it's really important in terms of the perspective that you look at it. As someone who's been in the dating pool, I, I don't look at it as a pre-date. I look at it as being a real date, but you're trying to make it fun, affordable, and engaging. Yes. And, I, and I just wanted to give some examples of what I found are great again quote-unquote pre-dates so uh, I think about a picnic in a park where you bring your speaker you have some music you could bring some wine some champagne some fruits to snack on maybe make some really dope sandwiches from home and even do like a little bike ride in the park also going to check out a museum I think that's a great date because you get exposed to art culture and have really interesting engaging conversations thinking about going to a zoo or an aquarium. Again, just really fun stuff, fun ideas where that you can... That sounds free. <laughs> but again, I, I, I love that you say that because... <laughs> That's fine. I just want to be clear. All right. and Let no, them know. <laughs> this is your perspective, okay? Right. And yes, and I, I'm going to love to hear your take on oh, it will. as well. Mm, you will. Um, in addition, I thought about like... Especially being in New York City, we're really lucky in that regard. So on a hot summer day, you could get some ice cream and you could walk the High Line and talk or even walk the one of the bridges, Williamsburg, Manhattan, Brooklyn Bridge. What's funny? There's a dude that I know that say he takes his girls out for ice cream. I'm like, really? <laughs> so that, like, that's it? Who doesn't love ice cream? <laughs> I mean, there's more to life than that. Continue. Um, additionally, I thought about doing hikes, being out there in nature. Um, again, benefits of being in New York City. There are free movies in the summertime, like movies under the 
the Brooklyn Bridge, which are really dope. And just, again, you can kind of set up that picnic and get that nice romantic vibe where you can really connect with someone. Um, two more ideas I had were setting up your own paint and sip, like going to the promenade, getting your own little easel, having little drinks, and then doing like a little painting of like, you know, the, the sunset. Exactly, see exactly. I see you. Um, Art shows get into your head, I see. Facts. <laughs> And then coming soon, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And then, then finally, the traditional just grabbing a cup of coffee. Um, So that's for me why perspective is very key on it because if you look at it as a pre-date and you, it has an that kind of makes you feel like you don't have to go all out. You don't have to be innovative, creative, or creating a fun environment. Um, The next thing is you got to think about demographic and age and budget because I'm you know old. I'm old school, 30 years old out here. So I might be a little more stable than someone who might be younger. So mm-hmm. you have to really take that into account, which is why I like those ideas that I put out there because you can still engage, get to know someone, have fun, but also doing it within a budget. And I think, I think it's, Sometimes guys may get a negative rap if they're trying to save money, but not everyone is in a place in their life where they're able to um, afford certain things. And I think it's important to look at it. Expensive is a relative term because expensive for me now at 30 years old at this point in my life is a lot different than what was expensive for me at 18 years old when I was like in high school or versus just being in college. So um, that's why I think. It's very important and to think about that. your version of expensive the... is very different from other people because you like to bowl out of it. <laughs> Let's be more specific, okay? <laughs> Let's be a little bit more specific there. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I think um, being cognizant of and empathetic of the situation that different people are in their lives is very important. Mm-hmm. And another important thing for me, I think times have really changed. Like the world is evolving and transforming very fast. Like the dating scene has evolved a lot as well. Especially in our generation. Exactly. Like dating apps deck exactly with the apps dating is way more fast-paced there's a lot less connections being made between people and even less commitments because people know i have options like in my back pocket in terms of swiping or with ghosting Shout people out to hinge. <laughs> oh, hey <laughs> <laughs> i was i was gonna go in but i i'm gonna i'm gonna I'll let you come I mean, you forward. Can. As, I'll Go let you come ahead. forward as you feel necessary. Do whatever you want, honey. It's unapologetically different. We out here. You heard? Facts. And and I love that you mentioned that because I actually have a friend. He recently got out of a long term relationship and he's back on the dating apps and swiping again. And he's <laughs> swiping again. <laughs> Swipe so he's just looking ahead and quick. <laughs> no, no, no. In terms of looking for a, a relationship that will work and fit what he's looking for. But your friend just came out of something. So is he giving himself enough time to heal? Because some of y'all do just hop and skip in and out of vaginas and say, I'm healed. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> and them whoa. juices ain't that good, bro. It's to be healing you. I, I think I think just in general with our generation right now, it's like everyone has multiple options, especially with this swiping. It, it, with the swiping, it makes the dating very, um, like we mentioned, fast-paced. And yes. you ha- it's like a buffet. You can it's kind of buffet. put yourself out there very quickly and just meet people. So It really is the, a buffet. It's a lot of, facts, lot of choices. The, the dynamic has changed. But the crazy part about this, he saw a fr- the ex-girlfriend while he was swiping, and he oh, instantly wow. got turned off and was like, I'm done swiping. Oh, so I think thing. He better get back into it. So I think that's really interesting seeing how the world is changing so fast. Like yeah. now you're, even though you're not with someone, you're going to see them on the dating apps or you're going to be swiping 
sorry, like swiping on social media and seeing their posts and kind of seeing what they're doing unless you actually disengage from that and unfollow them. So because of that, I think we have to evolve with the way we're meeting people. And I think with the way dating is now, with the less connections, these ideas that I I put out earlier about dates, I think they're great because they it forces you to engage with people, force you to be active. Mm-hmm. It's fun, it's innovative, and it's just different. Like you really can still make a deep connection. I think some of the negatives when it comes around dinner, um, sometimes that can feel very uh, very serious and very kind of boring, especially if you're not someone who can hold a conversation and. Like a dinner date, it's like you might go out there and it's just like the girl may be turned off because it's not like the the best environment. I personally love dinner. I love going out, grabbing dinner. And I think those are, it's an awesome time and you can have engaging, interesting conversations. But I think it's very important to set yourself up for it because not everyone, that's what what works best for them. And also to your point about predates, but also too, to be to clarify though, like when you say dinner and it being boring, that's why predates are important. I did one where I went out with a guy briefly, but not. I see your examples and I think they're great, but for me, predates are like a quick coffee, mm-hmm. um, a walk in a park, forty-five minutes to an hour, probably an hour fifteen, because for one, you want it to be enticing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like an hour, hour fifteen, I get enough about you, I get a good feel if about your chemistry or whatever, and then deciding if you want to proceed to a real date with that person. And also too, with a pre date, keeping in mind that person doesn't necessarily have to pay for you. Now, when I went to go get coffee with the gentleman that I met, he paid, but I wasn't expecting it. And it was a great conversation we had. It was really good to the point that I followed it up and we had a, a date. And there was another incident where I did something like that with another dude. His vibe was off. Yeah. Like, we didn't even get to sit down. I was like, oh, all right. Well, then yeah. I'm glad. That because made it really we, convenient. You know, it was super convenient. And I think the reason why, too... To put it in context, the reality is when you go on dates, and I've there was I was a part of a Facebook discussion. You know how Facebook do <laughs> about dudes paying for date. Like when I tell you the thread was like two hundred comments, I was like, this shit can't be real life right now. And it's a back and forth about guys paying for dates and what you. But I'm like, yo, real talk though, and that to me is ridiculous. If it's gonna be a problem for you to take me on a date, you can keep your little coinage, honey. Okay, I don't need your little coins, and I damn sure don't need to play the food. But I think the pre date context is very important because. Dudes claim they spend a gazillion dollars on chicks on first day. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But if you coming out of pocket and you spending like four or five hundred dollars, if that, because some of y'all don't even touch that amount, like a hundred <laughs> or two, on a first date, and a woman is coming on that date too, keeping in mind, a chick may not be spending bread on a date, but she got her hair done. Probably took her about four or five hours in the salon, and it probably took about two, three hundred dollars. Then we talking about makeup. Fenty Beauty is not cheap. Shout out to Riri. I love you, and I'm still gonna purchase that shit. I just love, I love it. You, Riri. So keep in mind makeup, and then if she's getting an outfit, that ain't cheap. Put all of that together and what y'all paid for a meal. And then, of course, y'all get y'all little haircuts. And if you even purchase some items for the thing, that's a lot of money combined on both sides. And that's where people need to realize. Dudes think, I spent a lot on a date. Imagine how much effort a woman put in to get ready for that date. That is just as cost effective. So I think the pre-date thing, that's why it's good, especially in our generation. Whether you find somebody through an app or you organically meet on the street, just have a quick, oh, let's grab coffee, let's talk. And I'm I'm really good at reading people, so I could pick up if I like your vibe, if I even want to move forward. And then decide if you want to go all out on the first date. Maybe the first date, I'm like, you know, let's just go to the movies. Simple, light, whatever. It ain't no Hamilton play, but it's something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So just, just, so just keep it 100. Like, 
And I think it's good in terms of convenience sake and to your facts, point facts. about guys spending money and you don't know people's financials and then, you know, and if you really want to go all out for that person, I would hate to go all out on somebody on a date and it's like, I don't really care to be with you. But if you had like a pre-date where you gauge them, then you could decide how much you're going to go all out on that first date. Are you going to do Hamilton's play? Are you going to do a movie? Are you going to do a walk in the park and set up a really nice picnic setup where it's like, oh shit, we have Polo Classic. Like, you know, make them feel, <laughs> no, I'm serious. If you want to be creative, it's <laughs> still a little champagne. Facts, exactly, exactly. Stuff like that. So I'm for pre-dates. I think they're great. Um, but to the ladies out there, if you do do it, like I said, don't expect if you go for coffee or get ice cream, a guy to pay and don't look at him, look down at him because it's a pre-date. It's not really a date. It's just, honestly, I call them meet and greets and I love them shits. <laughs> so <and> do it. <laughs> And make it simple. It don't coffee is three, four dollars a pop. Make it real simple. If you don't like coffee, get some tea. Like, don't do anything that's gonna be more than ten dollars. I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Facts. And just to give my final words about the pre-date, make it fun, make it engaging, and try to be innovative. Like he said, make it simple, but still create like an ambiance, a vibe, and just make it a fun time. Also, just really be understanding. Not everyone is in the same place financially, emotionally, mentally. So you kind of have to just be willing to meet people where they're at and kind of develop and grow from that point. Uh, perspective is definitely key. And just because it's a pre-date doesn't mean you have you can't put the same thought and energy into, into the date. And really just showing like you really thought about this and really want to engage and have a good time with the person. But, and don't, la- oh, but don't overly stress and worry about Facts. it either. So find a balance with the pre-dates. Facts. And then lastly, time and place for everything. Sometimes uh, dinner candle lit really nice is very appropriate. And if you're trying to go get ice cream, it may not, it just it's a bad look. So always just be cognizant of that and, and just act accordingly. So Facts. yes, that's, that's the coach P dropping gems today on dating and relationship. Now we're going to move into keys T you talking shit. Nah, just spitting facts. It's keys T you already know what time it is. All right. To keys T now, I don't know if you guys are watching the BET Awards. Lizzo did an epic performance um, about her song, Truth Hurts. She was twerking on stage. I love everything about it. It was super dope. Unfortunately, um, as of recent, she was a headliner for the Summerfest Music Festival in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She's mm-hmm. making moves out here. Secure the bag, honey. Secure the bag. And um, unfortunately, her entourage was tackled by a security guard at Summerfest. They were tackled and attacked, to be more specific, and members of her team were really affected by that. Also, too, um, the way that they were treated, they didn't understand how it led to all of that, and especially them being a part of her entourage, and she is a great singer. So it's just like, how is it that this performer is headlining this show, and this is happening to her crew? Um, Lizzo did a great performance, but she did um, tweet, you know, tonight was beautiful, you are beautiful, but the struggle ain't over. Racism and bigotry don't care if you're a headliner. Um, thank you wow. for Summerfest. We will be filing a complaint against that bigoted security guard, and I hope you'll be um, cooperative in seeking justice. So, yeah, it was really sad that she had that experience and it kind of tarnished her um it tarnished her performance in a sense that she wasn't able to enjoy it for what it was like to be a black woman and to be in this industry and to be a performer and to be in a position where you're getting 
you know, not only like you're getting recognition, but you're being on this platform. And now that was taken away from you because of an experience that you had or because of your entourage having a racial experience is something that needs to be addressed. And this is not the first time a racial encounter has happened in the past recent months with some of these performers. Even Meek Mill had a, a racial incident with the staff at Las Vegas Cosmopolitan, and they actually issued an apology. And Caesar at um, Sephora had a racial encounter when she went to go buy Fenty. I was like, I wish a Sephora employee will. Because I'm like, I be in, I be in Sephora getting my joints. So imagine if somebody come up on me, I'm like, oh, let me hit up Riri. Because we not doing this today. <laughs> so I find it, it's, to my point, I think it's sad that you have, and whether, honestly, whether you are an entertainer or whether you are a regular person, you should not be facing any form of discrimination or racism in any capacity, no matter where you go. I think what I find to be sad is that these performers and entertainers are put in a privileged position and you would think because they have money, they have access, they have, and they are in this position, they don't go through these things. And I think it's really sad that she's an up-and-coming artist and she she headlined a show. Do you know what it's like to have artists in these positions, especially black women artists that we've been pleading for to have in this game and have more of them? And it's like, yeah, opportunity, even though she put on a great show, it was like she couldn't fully enjoy it and she tweeted about it because of this experience that happened with her entourage. And I just think that people need to be more cognizant of how we're doing things in our society across the board, not just to celebrities, but an average person. They should not be facing any form of racism and discrimination. And I'm, I'm what I'm proud of with this incident is that she's speaking out about it. She could have been quiet and Meek Mills too and Caesar too when they had their encounter. They actually spoke out about their racial encounters that they've been having. And I think more of these artists need to put it more on the forefront, call these people out and let them know what time it is. And I think we need to hold those people fully accountable for their actions as well. That's Keys T. Mm, damn. Just dropping gems right there. I'm just doing a little sign sign, you know. Yeah. You know how we do. And I'm really glad that you talked about that because there, there's still a lot to go. And that's why these presidential elections that are coming up are very important. We want to set a precedent of love, equality, just respect for everyone. So, again, it's Pride Month. Shout outs to everybody who went to the parade today. And hopefully they can get some justice for Lizzo and her staff. And thank you for going in. I love it. <laughs> You know how I do. Once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you purchase our ringtone at the Tune Store for Android users and at the iTunes Store for Apple users. You know you like that silky smooth sound in the background. Maybe you want to twerk a little bit too. Yes. <laughs> Please follow us on IG and Twitter at unapologetic D underscore. You can make donations to our Patreon account by searching unapologetically different. All of our episodes are posted on iTunes. Make sure you rate and review and drop a comment. And you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher by searching unapologetically different. I know it's a mouthful, but you got it. <laughs> Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye.